How would you assess the general ambitions of Hacken at this moment in time? The ambition is to win the league, really, because it's, it's still possible to win the league. The money difference in the league is not that big so far that it's not possible to do that. So the ambition is to win the league. When we do it, I don't know, but it's, it's every year the ambition is there again to win the league or the cup. The ambition yeah. is, is to win the league because it's possible. Words of Sonny Carlson, the former sporting director of Hecken five years ago on the Nordic Football Podcast. And I was listening to that this week and the hairs on the back of my neck kind of stuck up because uh, I find it quite almost emotional, actually, because Hecken have now won their first ever league title in the Alsvenskan. And really, that's what this show is about. The big point, talking point of the show is we've got a new champion in Sweden, haven't we? Jonathan, welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm, as always, I'm joined by Jonathan Fadugba, who went out there to Sweden five years ago, uh, sat down with that former sporting director of, of Hacken, Sonny Carlson. It was a great interview, and he said that the ambition is to win the league title, and they've done it. They've done it, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. We do say we are sort of we do like to be ahead of the curve on these things, but that was five years ahead of the curve. Um, like you said, Steve, obviously, when um, Hacken confirmed their status as champions of Sweden this past weekend in Gothenburg, in the derby, um, I listened back to that interview with Sonny Carson and reminiscing, Steve, what we were reminiscing about that interview five years ago when uh, I went to Gothenburg and I met Sonny Carson, sat in his office at Hacken, went around the training ground, I did a little tour and he did say in that interview, uh, the goal is to win Osvenskan. Like you said, it was a bit of goosebumps, hairs, hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Like you just said there, Steve, I sent it to you and I said, you know, we need to, that needs to be the intro pretty much. And we discussed it and yeah, founded more than 80 years ago, Beckel Hacken. Never have they won the title in their entire existence, founded in 1940 uh, and They've done it. We will put the whole interview with Sonny Carlson up just for anyone who wants to listen on YouTube, um, because I think it's a great listen. Listening back to it is just really fascinating um, to sort of see the ambition he had. Because do you know what, Steve? When I listened to it back, I was actually thinking to myself, I didn't even challenge him on winning off fence camp. Because in a, in a way, I thought it was a bit ridiculous. Like, when you said it. like, do you know what I mean? I didn't even. Do, didn't do you know even... what I'm actually thinking of putting the whole episode up because you were recording that from a laundry room in a hotel in Sweden. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about Copperberg ciders, and it was kind of a throwback. Actually, of, uh, I can't believe it was five years ago, but it was a great interview and actually great, great episode. So, but yeah, you wouldn't. I mean, looking back, I mean, I think at the time we were kind of not laughing at it, but we just were like, oh, it's just not going to happen, is it? It's just not realistic. But it just shows you with with a belief and a will and. I suppose, in a way, it's not. We should almost have seen it coming. Perhaps they're such a well-run club. Just shows you. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, we'll talk about what actually happened and how they won the league. If you listen to last week's episode, we talked about the chances that they could win it. Um, they went to Gothenburg. Well, they are, they're part of Gothenburg, obviously, but they went. They crossed the bridge, went to play their biggest rivals, EFK Göteborg, in the derby this past weekend, the Gothenburg derby, and they knew that if they got a point, 
in EFCOR's back garden, they will be champions of Sweden for the first time ever. They didn't just get a point, Steve. They absolutely destroyed them. 4-0 away from home in EFCOR Jotobog's own stadium. Gamla Ulleve, a massive changing the guard, in my opinion. It's a shift in power in Gothenburg football. Um, a hugely momentous day. Sven Goran Eriksson was there, sort of EF Core, a bit of an EF Core legend. They had all the legends there to watch this. Um, and the, the mood in the camp from EF Core was like, we cannot let this team win in our own stadium, the title. Well, they didn't do anything on the pitch to stop it because Blair Turgut scored the opening goal within a few minutes. Then uh, Johan Hammer, uh, Mikael Rygaard as well, and just a sensational win in their back garden to win the title but yeah steve you know as i was just saying sort of in terms of sonny carlson you know they call him mr hackham um and he's the man he's been a player at the club if you listen back to the interview he's been a player at the club he's uh, managed the club he's been the sporting director of the club he's built this foundation i'm sure you're going to ask me how they've done it how can how they managed to build this this team but he left and um as he said in that interview the game the goal is to win osvenskan and really I remember I said in the interview at the time because they'd finished second in 2012 and that was considered like a massive achievement. You know, that was like almost considered the ceiling. And when Sonny says that in the interview, he says, we can win Osvenskan. Like you said, I just kind of, you know, I didn't, I kind of just brushed over. I didn't really address it. I thought uh, in hindsight, you know, when you listen to yourself five years later, I was thinking I should have challenged him on that and said, you know, why do you think you could win it? Or, you know, in my mind, I was like, why didn't I ask him properly or, or, or maybe just ridicule him a bit in terms of, you know, come on, you can't really win off fence game. But it shows that they had the vision and they had, they knew what they wanted to do. And, um, you know, we, they've been in the periphery, haven't they, Steve, of this podcast for, for all this time. You know, I, 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 everyone, anyone who's been listening to this show regularly knows, I'm, you know, I, I lived in Gothenburg. Uh, I lived in Hissingen. They were a club close to my heart. They're a club that kind of have been on, the, we've talked about them a lot. They're a very small team. We could say, is this a Leicester City type thing? Um, but ultimately, you know, they, they, they've, they've organically built themselves into champions for the first time. And the scenes on Sunday when they won the league were really like, it almost Steve, made me play my hand a little bit in terms of like, I was I was really genuinely happy for them. And I really wish I'd been there. Um, I always like to say I'm impartial on this podcast, Steve, but I have to say that's the, that's the closest I've been to feeling like a supporter of a team in, 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 in Sweden. Um, purely because of like how well they did and just the fairy tale story. I've actually just put on screen here for Jonathan, you won't be able to see it on the podcast, but the predictions that we made at the start of the season in the preview show. And um, you actually got Hecken down in eighth place for a prediction. The media had them ninth. The season before, you actually did predict them to win the league, in fairness. So you just won season out. I mean, what what sort of changed this season, do you think? I mean, I know you've put a lot of um, credit to the manager, but uh, and they've only lost two games of football. They were unbeaten away from home. But what would you say? I mean, last season, I think they, they fair to say they underachieved. They should have got more points, just whatever thing. A lot of things didn't go their way. What's been the big diff change from last season to this season that's got them not just obviously up there challenging, but then it's got them over the line? I think the the clear obvious change is Per Matthias Hogmo, and um, we're going to have to definitely talk about him. He has earned his place in in Gothenburg history, uh, Beko Hacken history. They were calling him Per Matthias, the Messiah, uh, at the stadium. So when they won the game, they went back to back to uh, 
hissing and there was a massive party. Big fireworks and, and the traditional when people teams win the league in Sweden see they wear these sort of gold hats and everybody sort of dances around and that's what they were doing. They were sort of wearing the gold hats and um I think Jeremy F sprayed himself in gold paint as well and was sort of dancing around and it's been like a gold weekend for any Beko Hacken fan. I've seen so much on Twitter fans just saying this is like the greatest day of their life, that kind of thing. Um, it's a massive thing for this club. Okay, they might be a small club, but they, they have a very passionate fan base, loyal fan base. Um, and I, I think that, you know, even in that Sonny Carlson interview, he's, he talks about how they don't really have many fans even outside of Hissingen in Gothenburg. And he was saying about the challenges to get more fans. Well, <laughs> this is one way that they're going to be able to get more fans, isn't it? But um, the, the clear difference, Steve, is, is Pierre Matthias Holmer. He joined them um, when they were bottom of the league. You know, I predicted them. We predicted them to win the title. I predicted them to win the title last season. There was a lot of teams, re, uh, sorry, a lot of um, media predictions saying that they could win the title. They had this really good squad, Steve. They've, they've built organically over the years. Um, they've been quite good in recruitment. Sonny Carson and, and the new sort of sporting director as well, uh, Ericsson, he's done a good job. And um, the, the two things they've got right, I think, this season, the, the recruitment has been excellent. They've really nailed this mm. recruitment. If you look at the team, you know, they've got the two Gustafsons in midfield, Rygaard in midfield. All of them are new signings. Rygaard, arguably player of the season, I think, in Osvenskan this season. Uh, the Dane, he's been phenomenal in the centre of the park. Showed it in the uh, in the derby. He was instrumental. Played EFK off the park in midfield, um, along with the two Gustafsons. You've got Blair Turga. I think he's been a fantastic signing. You know, picked him up from Ostersons when no one really wanted him. He was thought to be going to Saudi Arabia at one point. Thought to be going here, there and everywhere. He scores to win a title. Um Yeremiev, they got him back from, from Germany and he's been phenomenal. Uh, the recruitment has really been, they've got a solid spine. They've got last, you know, the Larsons as well, Lund. Um, the fullbacks have been phenomenal. They're playing, but, but yeah, like I say, Steve, the Hogmo's the one who's melded it all together. He's played this sort of um, phenomenal style, sort of a 4-3-3. And the good thing about this team, Steve, is they're a, really, they're a brilliant football team. You know, they, they play a modern style of football. It's not, they are a hugely refreshing all Svenskan outfit. You know, we talk, there's been a lot of teams that I, I, I've said a few times on the show where, you know, the AIKs of this world with no disrespect to them or, or maybe Malmo at times, a bit kind of one-paced, a bit plodding at times. Okay, they're, they're solid. Sometimes it's obviously enough to get the job done in those events, kind of win the title. But I think Hacken have always, for the last two or three years, played this sort of modern, quick transitions, good wing play, you know, get forward quickly, get crosses in. And... That's the style that Hogmore has just perfected in the, in the team this season. Don't forget, Hogmore's last job was a club job was Fredrikstad in the third division of Norway. You know, this Norwegian has come in and basically revolutionised the team, taken them from bottom to top. He's moulded it. And I think the key thing, Steve, you asked me what, what's been so good about them. The Gothenburg derby summed up for me. You would, you would have thought there'd be nerves in that match. You know, the way that this, this a team that's never won the title in their history you know, we all remember Kevin, Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. You know, we all remember those sort of good entertaining sides. But when it comes down to it, they can't handle yeah, the pressure. Exactly. And mm. I, I have to be honest. I didn't. I wasn't sure if they could handle the pressure. You know, for many weeks, I said I thought Diff would probably win the league mm. as, we, as the season went on because I just didn't see them being able to go to like Malmo. I didn't either. Uh, go to ARK, Steve. Look at the last six or seven games of the season. They went to ARK one. They went to Eurogarden and one. They went to they played Malmo at home and won with 10 men for more than half nearly half the game. They go to IFK Otterberg and they batter them 4-0. And that lack of nerves, that maturity, 
is why they are champions. And that has come from uh, Matthias Ogmo. And uh, it's been a club effort. They've grown, like I say, organically. The recruitment's been spot on. They've been growing for many years thanks to the Gothia Cup. But ultimately, uh, I think Hogmo has been the difference in, in this season in terms of what he's done with that team. Well, I certainly doubted them at the weekend. I said on the last show, there's no way that IFK will let them win the match on their own turf or even get the point that they needed. And I've got to be honest, um, from an IFK Gothenburg point of view, I think it was a bit of a disgrace. That is not good enough. Uh, their fans are absolutely embarrassed by that. I would sack Mikkel Stara just on that result alone. You were but, in him sack last week, didn't you? <laughs> there's several. There's several. Well, there's several reasons why I think I would I would personally sack uh, Mikkel Stara, but uh, that that's not good enough from their perspective. Fair play, but I mean, they didn't even have Uremiev for crying out loud. They scored four goals. I mean, that is insane. They've had injuries this season. I mean, Benny Troyore. Um, Youssef has been out a lot, hasn't he? They've had, I think, a couple of others have been out for, for significant periods. So it's not been plain sailing. It's not like everyone's been fit. Um, but, you know, fair play. I mean, one thing you will say, that I guess there weren't any previous scars or anything, which that can help a team. And they've never sort of lost it before or bottled it before. Um, but to come through the way they've done is has been pretty damn impressive. I think your guy did help them out by going on that random losing streak. But um, And I think the, the big result was obviously the 1-0 win against Jorgarten in Stockholm. I think it's one of the few games this season that they've actually lost the XG numbers significantly. They, they somehow kept a clean sheet, and I think Diff's XG that game was over two. But you know they won that, then they got the 4-1 win against Sundsvall, which I think re they got their attack force firing again and giving them belief. So... We'll move on to some, uh, something soon, but in terms of like the tactical approach for this team, then you say four three three. They've been an entertaining watch. They're not boring, and they're a good good team to for a neutral to, to see. It's it's not exactly anything revolutionary, is it? But it seemed to suit this bunch of players, this squad. Yeah, and if you look at it, uh, you know, in terms of the uh, tactical side of it, you know, we've got a partners wise scout. We've got another blog. You've done a fantastic job, by the way, Stephen. The Y Scout blogs uh, in recent times, um, but in terms of the partnership with Y Scout, we have access obviously to their data. And if you look at the Y Scout data for Beckel Hacken, uh, the best dribbling side in the league, 836 completed dribbles um, by miles, the best team in Sweden in that sense. And that's what they kind of are. They're a team that gets shots in, gets crosses in, gets uh, a very good one v one situations. They, they attack in fast transitions. They're not a possession based team. They're one of the lowest teams in the league actually. Or sort of mid-table anyway for possession they're not really interested in that they're, they're interested in the sort of modern style you know when you think about teams like maybe man city liverpool teams that are aggressive on the front foot high pressing get the ball back go forward as fast as you can get numbers into the box from wide areas um and be good in you know 1v1 situations that's what they're good at they've scored the most goals in the league xg is by far the best in the league um 66 uh, goals 64.07 xg second best malmo 58.19 so you know comfortably in terms of xg they, they, they've they've bossed it comfortable in terms of uh, as i said 1v1 dribbling um the second in shots you know second in touches in the penalty area but yeah that's the kind of style that they like to play steve um they've been actually quite good at set pieces as well i think this season um better than i they have been in previous years i think they've got some of those little tactical things correct this year Defence has been better than it's been given credit for. It's not been amazing, but when they needed to keep sort of shut teams out, they've been able to do so. 
you know, Packard have always been quite a flaky side in terms of defensively, and that's always let them down. It's improved um, a lot in the second half of the season, the defence, I must say, looking at it statistically. I think most of their clean sheets have come after that four-all draw against Elfsborg. It was like the penny dropped. After that, they were they didn't concede more than one goal very often. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, you know, you just got to look at their transfers. I, I think a big part of this was their transfers. Um, you've got to look at Hecken from a financial point of view. They've had... Uh, this con- you know, since that five years ago interview in uh, in Gothenburg with Sonny Carson, if you look at, I was looking back at some of their transfers, you know, and they, they sold players like um, Patrick Wallemark for a massive fee. You know, their, their net their net profits in terms of transfers year in year out are, are pretty good, and this allowed them this season to bring in the likes of, um, you know, the players that they've brought in. Totland, uh, to be a sign, obviously didn't have a huge impact, but you know. Probably on decent wages. Ho- I think Hovland's been a great addition, by the way, to the whole squad since Hovland, he came into the club. I think Jonas, Mikel Rygaard, Ibrahim Sadiq's been really good. The young winger, I think he's had a very good, promising season. Um, Lars Larsen. So they, you know, they've been able to buy and sell very well. Don't forget Dalio Urundus, someone we used to talk about a lot. Um, they sold him for a decent profit to Groningen. Uh, so all in all, you know, that kind of ability to sell players and bring really good signings in together with that 4-3-3 system that Holmwell's been playing um, has basically helped them win this title from a tactical point of view. Yeah, I guess the question now is, um, you know, is this going to be a one-off, a bit like, say, a Leicester City? Or are they now going to be a team who are going to be always up there battling for, you know, titles and medal positions? You know, it feels like, is it the start of something or is it just you know, the one-off thing. Um, I mean, the manager himself will certainly attract attention for this title win, won't he? I mean, he's he's got a good reputation, a good name. This will only further enhance it. Can he, um, can, will he stay in the job, do you think? Will someone tempt him away? Um, I think that there are already talks about permits on maybe getting another job. Uh, he's been quite tight-lipped, actually. He said that he isn't sure what will happen. Uh, which is always a bit worrying. Um, I think he's got another year left on his contract and there's already been rumours that he's been courted by Malmo. Now, the interesting thing with Homo, obviously, being a Norwegian manager, um, is he probably might not have any real loyalty to any Swedish club, for example. So you might think he did, you know, you mentioned that the chance to play in the Champions League, of course, you know, for the first time uh, with Hacken is, is, is an appealing prospect. You know, they might not get through the qualifiers, but they could at least maybe end up in the Europa League or Conference League, which would be an incredible achievement for them. Um, and I think that that will be an attractive thing for him. But the the reality of the situation is that there are going to be a lot of clubs looking at a lot of their players because wages-wise, they're not they're not a very rich club. Steve. Their, their average attendance is lower than 6,000, I believe, um, at the Bravado Arena. And it's a small stadium, very tight. And they're not, you know, they're not a big club. So I think that, I think there's a rumour that I think Jeremy F has a buyout clause that already tr- uh, comes into effect at the end of this season as well. People might look at him and say, fancy him, you know, top scorer in the league, been phenomenal. Um, so I think there will be a little bit of pressure. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of will they be able to keep those players and can they can they maybe match their new wage demands? But the one thing that we've learned with Beckel Hacken, Steve, is that they have the ability to um, bring in new players even bringing maybe new managers. 
Um, and I think the future is bright. I don't, I don't think this is going to be a Leicester. I think they could be sticking around for a while. If you look at them as a club, they're, they're healthy financially. Um, they've the Gothia Cup money that comes in that gives them that sustainability. They're a very good, um, they have a very good women's team as well. They've grown, like I said, year on year. They won the cup, um, and now they've sort of moved on and won the league. And I think that they will look at this. They can look very optimistically um, at, at the times to come. But I think inevitably, Steve, they will lose sort of three or four players um, in the next, you know, three, four, five months after the World Cup. And they have free popcorn for kids, don't they? On match day, I seem to remember you saying, and they can play on PlayStations and everything and and whatnot. But um, I mean, this is this is actually, of course, their maiden title. This is the first time they've ever won the Alsvenskan. It's not like a club that's won it before. I mentioned on the show last week one of the challenges I gave on my football manager suggested saves video last season was take a club from Gothenburg to win the title because only one one club from Gothenburg in this this century. They previously won a title one season. That was obviously IFK. So, I mean, what does this mean to the to the club to finally get this monkey off their back? Well, uh, the man himself that you you we we had at the beginning of this show, Sonny Carlson, uh, when he was asked about this game, he wasn't actually at the game on Sunday. He said that he was too nervous to go, um, but he watched it in Gothenburg and then made his way down to the stadium and to celebrate with everyone else. He said, Steve, that apart from his kids being born, this was the greatest day of his life. Um, and that kind of sums it all up for Mr. You know, he's he's known as Mr. Hacken. Um, and he has built this club from, like I say, from player to manager to sporting director. He passed the reins on to this new younger generation, Martin Eriksson and the other um, sporting directors and the new people who have taken over. And it's a huge, huge achievement, Steve. You can't, you can't, I don't think you can really overestimate how much this means to to the Hacken, Hacken uh, fans and the people who who support the club like I say I think it was a really symbolic thing uh you mentioned about uh EF Koyotobog Steve actually an interesting little tidbit from this game after the game uh EF Kor have been putting the feelers out to clubs about their players and manager there's a feeling that they are keen to let them uh some players go and they would also be open to getting a new manager so I think Mika Stara's job is definitely um on the edge, former Hacken man. Don't forget, he was a Hacken manager. Ah, oh, 100%. I'd get rid of him. I don't think I think AFK need a manager who's who's a bit more uh, modern and forward thinking at times. Stara, don't get me wrong, he's not that bad by any means, but he has his uses. But they need, um, I think AFK need a buzz around them. But anyway, we're talking about Hacken, so yeah, please continue. <laughs> you had to just dig in there, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean. And, you know, one other thing we need to talk about is, um, you know, they, they had they had a big, massive party after the match. Uh, Gothenburg was definitely in celebratory mood, at least one half of it. Uh, Tobia Sina was dancing on crutches. He said, I'll dance on one leg. Don't forget, he's the man that he, of course, let go after an argument with Mikastara. Um, They cancelled his contract and he went to, to Hacken. Had a minimal impact because he got injured, but... He said, you know, I don't care if I have to dance on one leg, I'll do it. Um, they've been having massive parties. And one other just little thing that's interesting. Um, I mean, Simon Gustafsson, by the way, uh, and his twin brother Samuel said, we're going to go crazy. We're going to celebrate wherever we can. Um, both of them were carrying champagne bottles at this time. But yeah, one one little nice little tidbit is uh, Eric Freeberg, the veteran. He's been in the club for so long and he was playing one of his last ever games 
Um, he's going to retire at the end of the season. And it's sort of like a legendary player. Uh, his dad actually was a professional as well. And um, they, you know, when he came on in the last few minutes of the Gothenburg match, uh, there was a massive cheer for him. And it was a really symbolic moment of just a club legend. So, yeah, it's phenomenal for Beckwack. And I can't really praise them enough. Like I said on the show last week, Steve, I wish I was there. Uh, I would have really loved to have been in that game because I think it was genuinely... Um, a shift in Gothenburg football. And I think now Beko Haken are going to look to establish themselves as, ha- as Gothenburg's number one club. Now, it's going to take time. Gothenburg have, EFC have won this title many times before, so let's not get crazy. But I think in the next two, three years, EFC are going to have a, a bit of a challenge to get the mantle, man, mantle back from Beko Haken because I think Beko Haken could be here to stay, uh, at least in the upper echelons of the league. Is this good for the city as a whole? Is this gonna? Is this almost gonna be good for IFK that they they need to start waking up again, sort of thing? And the city, in terms of its football clubs, has been a bit of a slump in the last few years. I mean, guys, I don't. I mean, goodness knows where what division they're in now. Or Greets, last time they looked, they're in a, in a relegation playoff position. You know, is it the sort of um, you know a really positive thing for the city? It might get, make people think, oh, Hecken won the title it might inspire some of the other teams to actually get their act together again. Yeah, I think it is. I think it, I think it will change. It will change Gothenburg football. hundred percent. That's why I was, like I said, I was so keen to be there. I think it's a genuine shift um, to do it in your own, in your neighbor's back garden. And I said it on the last show that EF core fans are quite dismissive of Hacken. They, they looked at it as a bit of a joke club by, by a lot of people in Gothenburg, if that makes sense. Then they're, they're not, they're not really respected. I don't think. And I think that's part of the reason that Hacken fans were so happy to win it in in Gambler Ulave, you know, to go to the to like really announce themselves and be like, we're in mm. we're in your own house and we're winning the league. And I think that this will be like a massive challenge to you, of course. It's a bit like Man, it's a bit like Man City when they first came along and, and and you know the Aguero moment when they won the title in the last minute. Obviously different circumstances, but you know, that was kind of like here we are to, to Manchester United, who were the dominant team at that time. And I think you could draw parallels with that, you know. They've both made their money in very different ways, Hacken and obviously Man City. But, you know, um, the core principles of it, you know, that that noisy neighbour type thing is kind of happening now. You know, finishing above EF Core was always a bit of a big thing for for Hacken, you know, and and even that was considered like, they didn't really get much respect for finishing above EF Core. When when you actually look at it resource-wise and in terms of like history of the club and stuff, finishing above EF Core, even in the league, is a big thing for Hacken because then they're significantly smaller. But to win the league and actually announce themselves as Swedish champions is a different level. And I think there will have to be a reaction from EFK Göteborg now because they, they won't be able to sort of sit back and accept this. They're too big a club to allow it. Um, from the point of view of other teams, yeah, it will inspire other teams. I mean, Kalmar have, have won a title in their history. There's other smaller clubs that could maybe look at it. We have to say, Steve, this is a bit of an anomaly in terms of how bad Malmö have been this season. I think they've been horrendous this year. And mm. Is that going to continue? Maybe not. The fact that they might not even qualify for Europe means that maybe the money will be redistributed. How can they're going to make a lot of money out of this now? Um, other teams getting into Europe could make some money. So maybe it will help redistribute Swedish football a little bit. But I remember us saying this last year, didn't we? we were, this time last year, we were talking about Malmö creating a dynasty and sort of swallowing mm. everyone up because they had so much money. So football changes really quickly. But I think it will boost Gothenburg football in general because now next season it's going to be even more tasty the derbies you know now there's going to be an extra edge to it you know EF Core can't disrespect Hacken anymore because they've won the league it's like it will redefine things 
Geis are in the third division. Hopefully, we'll come up to the second division. They're, they're, I was going to say about Geis. Um, I've done them a disservice there because they've already won won the third league yeah, division. Yeah, already. they're already up. So, you know, they'll be back in the second tier, but they should be in the top tier, really. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, Ogarita as well. They might, they may well survive. They're actually out of the relegation zone for now. Utsik um, uh, are in the Super Retin as well. Yeah, maybe it's, it's, it's will be you know a good year for Gothenburg uh, football again, apart from being an IFK fan, of course. But yeah. I actually think long term that that will wake that club up. I really think they're a big sleeping giant, and Hecken uh, have made a statement though because they are now at the minute the top dogs in in the in, in Gothenburg for sure to win the title. Yeah, and the bottom line is it's good for uh, it's it's good for hissing and football, Steve. At the end of the day, the small region, the small island in Gothenburg, they are the champions, and they're not going to care about any other part of Gothenburg or any other part of Sweden. Really, they <laughs> they are the kings. They certainly are. Okay, well, well done to to BK uh, Hecken, and uh, we'll move on. We're not going to talk about too much else, but. Uh, there is uh, an issue to be well, actually, second place. Uh, before I move on to the bottom of the table, Jurgen have confirmed second place, and Hammerby uh, as good as confirmed third place on goal difference. It's going to be between Icor and Kalmar for fourth spot, which could potentially become a European place if one of those three do win the Swedish Cup uh, early next year. Of course, Malmo are going to have to win the Swedish Cup just to get in Europe. Simple as that for for Malmo, and could potentially finish as low as seventh, which would be uh, shocking for them. Um, at the bottom of the table, Degafors are going to need just one point to confirm their survival. They go to Malmo on the final day. Varberg are going to have to beat Sirius to have any chance of staying up automatic, automatically. Otherwise, they are going into the playoff game. And it's been, when we talked about them last week, Varberg, um, it's just all been going downhill for them this season. They lost 5-2 at home to Malmo. Degaforge could only draw nil-nil against Varnamo. It might prove to be a useful point. We don't know. Uh, but looking like at the minute, I mean, it's a toss-up, isn't it? Because Degaforge, if Malmo are in the mood, they, they're going to struggle there and it would leave the door open for Varberg, Jonathan. Yeah, I did say that. I feel, you know, either Varberg or Sirius would get sucked into it. Mm, um, you did. And that was about three, well, four or five weeks ago, I believe. And Varberg have got sucked into it. They've had a pretty poor run. Uh, they lost. They've lost 15 of their 29 games this season. They have lost three straight now. Lost four of their last five. I kind of feel like it's a tough. It's a tough. It's a tough place to go. Serious in some ways. They 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 can they can be quite good in the day. And I, I'm not sure Viberg are really attacking team. If you know what I mean, they're not the sort of team that will go out there and try and win. You can't really predict their lineup. It's hard to predict that. But. Um, I feel like Degafors will get out of it. They've had a massive blow this week, though. Degafors, uh, Nikola Djurjic, who's come into some form, actually, although he was poor at the start of the season, but he's come into some recent form. He's out with a cruciate ligament injury now. I think that's a potentially massive blow going into the game. But you might think they, they, they may have enough to sort of get the job done. Um, so we shall see what happens in that match. I think... Mm. Um, in terms of, if you look at the underlying numbers, I mean, Degafors have the worst expected goals against in the league, apart from Gisundsvall, second worst, sorry. Varberg, um, fourth bottom in that sense. So maybe they can keep a bit of a tighter defence. But um, ultimately, I, I just have a sneaky feeling that Varberg, actually, they're going to be playing Osters, I think, in the relegation playoff if it goes to him. I don't feel like it's guaranteed that they'll actually beat Osters even over two legs if it was to, to happen. I feel like Varberg, could maybe go down. 
Yeah, congratulations to Bromer Poikin and Helmstad, your favourite team, one of your favourite teams, are uh, back in the Arsvenskin. It looks a poor division this season. 48 points is all Osters are on. I mean, they've 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 only won 13, drawn nine and lost seven. I'm, if you if Arberg or Degerfors lost the play after them, I mean, I'd be very disappointed, I must say. But it, look, anything can happen over two legs, in fairness. And Varberg especially, just they have no momentum at all. You've got to think Degerforge. I think they were beaten in 10 games. Even if they lost to Marmo and got the playoff spot, Degerforge, I think, would probably have enough. They're in a good way. They're in a good rhythm. But Varberg, yeah, they're just a, a physical team a lot, aren't they? And uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a challenge. You know, it's difficult. But we've seen sides have a bad run before and, and managed to win the playoff. So basically, ultimately, you just don't want to be in that position with the chance of going down, do you? So uh, all to play for on that final round, Jonathan. Yeah, all to play for. I think I think Degerfors have, have have shown some uh, some good sort of uh, ambition in the last few weeks. They've they've really gone for games. Um, obviously, they got a draw at the weekend in a in a nil nil. But I think that in general they've been quite uh, offensive and and sort of gone for it. Whereas I think with Varberg, they've just still been a little bit negative. They got smashed by Meow before one. Um, you know, not the weekend just gone, but the weekend before that. Obviously, Malmo beat them five two. So they they're sort of leaking goals for fun at the moment. It's not just that they're losing; they're losing big. Obviously, Elsberg three 0 winners the week before that. They've even they've even lost that ability to sort of do well at, it, at home sometimes. In recent seasons, their home form has kind of got them out of trouble. Um, Hammerby beat them five one the week before that. So, you know, they they are that's that's roughly more than twenty goals conceded in four or five games. So, I, I do worry for them. I think I think they they might struggle, and I, I think Degafors will just about get out of it. I think well, I think it's Degafors. Put it this way, Steve. I think I don't think Degafors will go down. No, even if they get in the playoff, I think they'll get out of it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I would agree with you there definitely. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the teams in Europe in, in, in the second half, but before we move on, um, a, a, a question of Al Svenskan fantasy. Another season comes to a close, Jonathan, and in the Nordic Football Podcast League table, it's it couldn't be tighter. We have got four, potentially five players who could win the NFP League this season. Frick Show is on 1,857 points and Albin Johansson is just one point behind him. Uh, Sixth and Enqvist uh, is only five points off top, top spot and uh, Harold Lampus Karatsas is only nine points off the top spot and uh, a former colleague of ours, Sam Hart, on 1,827 points could be a dark horse still to win it. So our Svenskan fantasy, I've never seen it so uh, so tight here. Last year's winner, the Rat Pack at Norwich, uh, down in six. He's not going to be winning it this year. Yeah, it's it's very, very close. Rat Pack, unfortunately, looks like, unless he has a miracle last week, he is at the outgoing champion. <clears throat> um, some interesting teams. Obviously, Sam Storia, that's Sam Hart. Better call Saul, that's Harrow Lampos. Nabas Fisk Recept. That's 16th with the Maggie, Halvin Johansson, and Frick Show, Carado Lopez Lozada, who's always up there, isn't he, Steve, in our leagues? He is, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, do you want to just read the, the uh, Elite Serian fantasy uh, table? Yeah, well? certainly. Well, it's, it's close to Elite Serian. We've got two rounds left, of course. Uh, Ronnie Ruff is uh, top of our, our league, 1,938 points, East Action All Stars. And we've got Vegard uh, Broya. 
uh, not even going to try and pronounce his team name because it looks impossible. But he's on 1,918 points, 20 points off the top spot. J, uh, OCD All-Stars, JS, he's always up there, isn't he? 1,910. And then we've got Lawrence Wong, Tactical Unit, 1,892. And just round off the top five, Aunt uh, Anstrud, um, Sitter Steel E. Barton on 1,888. I think the winner's going to come from one of them five, I think, Jonathan, unless we've got, like, some mega chips still in play for some people. So uh, it's all to play for in both of the uh, fantasy leagues right now. It is indeed. And good luck to them. Uh, Unfortunately for me, uh, I have to concede probably defeat. Looks like Steve's going to beat me again in the Ospensky Fantasy for the second year running. I'm going last to have a year, massive last year it was 14 up. points, and this year it's going to be by a lot more than that. I've had a bad year. <clears throat> I said it before, Steve just seems to have someone on his bench who always gets the rest, comes to the rescue, but ultimately my, my defensive chip let me down uh, this, this season. Use of chips hasn't helped me. Well, I've still got yeah. a chip left, and I don't like the <laughs> chip. It's the, the Lone Rangers chip. I, I hate What I hate about the chip is you don't have a captain. Uh, so I, I I hope they change that chip for next year. I think it's um, a very strange chip, and uh, really, I I I, I want to have a captain in my team. <laughs> Simple as that. So I don't like that. I might use it the last round, but um, let's see. But uh, the, the the other the thing is, Jonathan. Really, if you look at the difference between myself and you, it's probably I hit the the part of the bus chip, and it didn't come off for you. It's a lot riding on one week. Again, you could argue is it it's a, maybe a bit of a wrong chip? You got five captains at the back. You know, it's fantasy Premier League and elite Assyrian. You can't make such headway in in terms of a chip. So, yeah, thank you very much, Hammerby and uh, Kyle Mar. Let me down with my park the bus chip. Uh, Hammerby drawing with Sirius and Kyle Mar losing at home to me. I'll be both of you or in my bad books. Uh, Just one final bit of business, Steve, on Osvenska before we move on to elite Assyrian. It looks like Andreas Brandstrom will be the new manager of AIK. The Mialbi boss has agreed to take over in principle, according to Afton Bladet, which means that he should be the next AIK manager. Now, you know, we've always talked about AIK being a bit of a, um, let's say, turgid team, maybe you could describe them as at times. Um, and obviously, may I be very well known for that defensive rigidity. <clears throat> so it looks like they're going to go to form AIK in terms of their, their game model, you know, very good defensively. And Brandstrom has been very good defensively at, uh, at Mialbi. So... It's looking almost done. Feels like it might be announced soon. Been one or two criticisms saying people saying that they should aim higher. Um, maybe a bit harsh because I think Brandstrom has actually done very well as a manager to this point. He was also with Jens Gustafsson and Hadrick Split as an assistant coach. Um, he's also coached Sirius, uh, AFC Eskostuna, Dalkurd, Hammerby under 19s. And it looks like Henrik Goyton will join him as, as assistant. So, um, so, yeah, that could be an interesting one for next season, I think. And it's starting to, things are going to start moving for next season now, and I think in the next few weeks. But so, uh, yeah, AIK look to have a new man. This might be a good time to promote the latest Wisecout blog we have on the goalkeeper on loan at Mialbi, Samuel Brolin. Um, I'm wondering now if, if that, you know, will he now become the number one that I call with that managerial change? Very interesting. Uh, goalkeeper with a lot of potential been linked with Ajax he's a six foot six foot seven monster and he is the third tallest player on the FIFA game this year which is an interesting stat 
I'm not sure quite who's taller than that, but uh, he's a monster, and it's well worth a, a read on the on the White Scout blog, which you can see on one of our. I think it currently is the pin tweet, but uh, that might change. But uh, Samuel Brolin, very interesting keeper to keep your eye on for. Yeah, I know you love your keeper, Steve. He will, he will probably go back to AOK. I think he might uh, consider, especially if Brownstorm's there. He know he'll know him inside out, so maybe that was strategic. Um, the final just thing I, we just need to say head, heading into the last weekend of the Osvaldskan season. One final bit of business is probably a done deal, but Yeremiev, 22 goals uh, heading into the final day. Marcos Antonsen, 20 goals. So, golden boot race there. Yeremiev back from suspension. Will he get the golden boot? Or will Antonsen maybe turn up and sort of snatch it on the final day? There has been late changes in these golden boot races over the years in Osvenskan. Uh, I remember one year, I think it was Bouillatour, and nicked it on the final day. Uh, Ludwigsen's on 12, Marcus Berg on 12, Neiman 11, uh, just to round that off. But yeah, just thought I'd uh, mention that as well. But um, look, looks like it could be a double for, for Beck or Hacken there to, to cap off their fine season. So I've just actually looked at the list here of the tallest players in FIFA. And, and uh, there's only three players taller than Samuel Brolin. We've got Abdul Bar at Orzair in France. We've got Aaron Chapman at Motherwell in, in Scotland, both 203 centimetres to Samuel Brolin's 202. And uh, an unbelievable 206 centimetres tall. He is a player, he plays in League One in England. See if you can guess this player, Jonathan. What team? It is a, it's a goalkeeper for a team uh, in the southeast of England. Yeah, southeast of England. <laughs> or southern England, anyway. I don't know. I don't know. His name is Thomas Holy. Oh, yeah. It's Ipswich. Ipswich Town. Yeah. 206 centimetres. That's about seven foot, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute monster. He's the tallest player in FIFA, so... Yeah, you know who to call up if your cat gets stuck in the tree. Then (laughs) Brolin is not far off those numbers. Anyway, after that useless piece of information, (laughs) or maybe not, depending how you see it. Um, if you're into your quizzes and stuff, uh, we will move into a break, and afterwards we're going to talk about the European um, adventures of everyone involved in Scan in Norway and Sweden this season, and a little bit into Elite Serien as well. So catch you very soon. Welcome back to this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Steve Wiss. Now, we're heading on to Norway in a second. Not too much to wrap up, because there is actually two more rounds, rather than one round left. So uh, we might even have you for another week, Steve, on this show. But uh, all to yourself, you're going to have the league all to yourself. But we should start in Europe. Uh, I will read out some of the evening's results, because there has been some interesting results, and I definitely want to talk to you about one of them. So in the Conference League, just in terms of our, our teams, um, well, I don't know if we count Denmark anymore, do we, after, after Football and DK's <laughs> uh, departure? Silkeborg and Neil Anderlecht too. I think you know Henry has a new podcast, which you can listen to. And, um, you know, I'm sure he will dissect that in great quality. Um, but, yeah, we still sort of count him as one of our own t- deep down. So, you know, we're going to mention that that score. Um, then we've also got, uh, where are we? Diff 
Your Garden won Shamrock Rovers nil. They topped the group with five wins out of six and one draw. Incredible from Your Garden. I, I mm. didn't want to see that coming. No, I didn't um, either. But massive result. Ghent four, Mulder nil. The Belgians have knocked out Mulder uh, from this group on the final day of the of the round of the of the of the qualifier. Mulder somehow thrown it away, eight points to seven, and will be out of the Conference League, I believe. Uh, I don't know if there's like other playoffs or whatever because they're so convoluted, but <clears throat> those are the two results, um, or three big results in the Conference League and in terms of the Europa League. A um, couple of other results just to pick up on. Uh, Micheland 2, Sturm Graz 0. Uh, they are second in that group. Fair play to them. They've actually knocked out Lazio. Uh, Micheland, so that's incredible, really. Uh, Braga 2, Malmo 1. Malmo kind of do a Rangers and lose every single game in their group stage. Uh, six games, six defeats, three goals, 11 conceded. Absolutely. What a way to cap off a terrible season for Malmo, basically. Um, losing every single European match. And then uh, Glimp won PSV Eindhoven 2. Arsenal also won that game 1-0 in that group. So Buda Glimp finished third in that one. Um, Steve, what has gone on at Molder? I can't believe that. It's a disgrace, to be honest with you, Jonathan. This uh, this whole group, for me, Molder on paper, pound for pound, are probably the best team in terms of quality. Um, but they've only ended the group with two wins over Shamrock Rovers and a 0-0 draw at home to Ghent which is just simply not good enough. And they got completely outplayed against Ghent tonight. Um, deserved to lose. And the scoreline reflected the fixture. But really, the damage was done beforehand, I would say. They should have beaten Ghent in the first match of the group at home. That was a nil-nil, which they just couldn't get the better of them in. And then, I I don't know what happened against Jorgarten. I feel like twice, they, they definitely shouldn't have lost twice to them. In the second match at home, they were 2-0 up over Jorgarten. And Jorgarten came back to win that game despite only having like three shots in the whole game or something. So if Mulder had won the match last week, they would have qualified. That's where it, that's where we let it slip because Jorgarten had already qualified themselves. So it wasn't as if they had much to play for. But there's been some strange things going on in Europe the last couple of weeks. I, I'll be honest, across the whole board, there's been quite a few really disgraceful performances from teams at the same time there's been some weird dynamics where teams that have got nothing to play for have suddenly put a cat out the bag and and actually put up a decent resistance and I don't get it it's Europa League and Conference League do my head in sometimes Jonathan because you just don't know what state of mind teams are in you don't know what the physical state teams are in but in Mulder's case, it's very simple. They have had the last two months to focus on this competition because they've had the league wrapped up for quite a long time now. And I and it's it, I, I just don't get it. They literally could have put all their eggs into this basket and they they haven't been good enough. It's inexplicable. Uh, yeah. It really is. I'll give you just the, the only comparison I can think of. There's been times in the past where PS, PSG in France, sometimes Bayern Munich, They've been so far clear in their own league and you think, oh, they can really focus on, on Europe now. And it just hasn't happened. And it's almost as if the, the opponents in Norway have just been lying down so easily for them that whenever a, a, a test has come and something different, they just haven't been able to, to deliver. I, I just can't. Yeah. I can't get my head around it, mate. I just can't. Yeah, there's been some comments. Uh, well, 
a lot of interesting comments on Twitter. Uh, Rosenborg fans in particular are very lively in that uh, on Mulder's page tonight. Seems like there's a bit of a budding bromance between Neuergarden and uh, Rosenborg. Uh, one comment from a fan says, "Massive." this is the tweet underneath their 4-0 announcement of the result on Mulder's Twitter account. Someone has written, well, some, a lot of Neuergarden fans have gone on there laughing. And one Rosenborg fan replied, Huge respect from RBK fans here. Good job. Hope your garden goes far in Europe. So, a bit of a bromance. I mean, I'm only quite hated, Steve, because there's a lot of pretty nasty comments here. Yeah, I was just, I mean, I was going to say, they, they are the most hated club in Norway now. And a lot of it stems from the um, the SAR incident. You remember our old friend? Well, not friend, but um, with the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer situation there. Yeah, we'll brush, we'll brush it. I don't know. We well, that's to... where a lot of the an animosity comes from. But they're just not, and of course, when you win things, you, you become hated as well. But right now, yeah, I can't think of a of a more hated club in Norway than than Molde. Yeah, but a lot of Jurgen fans. I mean, I think don't know what's gone in the two games they played each other, but it seems as if um, maybe a lot of Jurgen fans have come 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 to rub it in. So <clears throat> it's an interesting one that. But yeah, no, I suppose it doesn't really. They're out out of Europe completely, aren't they? There's no qualifiers. Gone. No yes, they're out there. So mm, it's game over, and um, well, you're gone. I think they can look optimistically towards the, the last sort of um rounds if they've been really, really good in Europe this season. I yeah, I, I just I think they they were they definitely became inspired in the two matches against Molder, they wanted it more. And I definitely think in the home match in Stockholm, the, the crowd had an effect in there. Um, but fair play to them in this group to win five out of six games, and they're into the last 16 already, they bypassed the next round. That's a that's a heck of an achievement for them. And who knows? If they could go on a run. It's actually quite good to see, I must say, from a, from a neutral perspective. I got this this group completely wrong. I was right about Ghent. I don't think Ghent are actually that good at all, to be honest. They, they've only played well in one match, the whole group, and that was tonight. But it was Mulder who let, gave them the opportunity to do that. And, you know, the last match of the season, home crowd right behind them. They're inspired to, to qualify. I don't think they're particularly good. I think B- Buda Glimt, they're one of the eight teams that Buda Glimt could face now in the next round. So in a way, I hope that Glimt get them and I hope that they teach them a lesson. But, um, you know, Mulder, I think it's it's really, really poor from them. They should at very worst have, have got out of the group. They should have won the group. They're, for me, they're the best team in the group on paper. So absolutely yeah, he a bit like Mike not, Lowen there. He not a bit good like enough. Lowen. He sounded Not a bit like Matt Lowen after he said that Liverpool are the best team in Europe after they just lost the European Cup final. <laughs> I'm calling them the best team, but well, they were on paper. That I think they're the best squad. But yeah, they, they well, and they're not qualifying, so it's not good enough, is it? Yeah, well done to Eurogarden. That's massive. We'll see who they get. Uh, I think also, um, well done to Glimp. I mean, it's not easy in that group with Arsenal and PSV. Eindhoven. I think that's that's. They've given it a credible. Yeah, just to, just a word on Glimpse here that they could face one of eight teams: uh, Fiorentina, Anderlecht, Lech Poznan, Partizan Belgrade, Dnipro, Ghent, CFR Cluj, or Basel. Now, that looks. I think they could beat all of them apart from Fiorentina myself. Mm. So yeah, they they have got. They've, they've been a bit wobbly, haven't they? I mean, and that takes us mm, on to our next point, which is this weekend's result. I mean, what's going on? Mm. Um, this week in Norway. Yeah, uh, Buda lost against Rosenborg three goals to two. It was a big win for Rosenborg. It felt like a statement win for them. They were making a big deal about this. First time they've beaten Buda in this sort of glimped era of, of 
not dominance, but when they've been up there. Glimt have struggled in, in the second half of the season um, with the playing in Europe, the qualifiers. And let's just not forget that a lot of these were Champions League qualifiers, so high-class matches. And they've done well. It's, they're still in their in their hands to finish second in the group um, in the group in the table, um, which might be important because of the chance with no, Norway's coefficient that they might be a second Champions League spot available. We don't know yet. A lot will be, you know, calculated at the end of the season. So second place might mean more um, than no, than normal here. Um, but a big win for Rosenborg because it, it does secure them now in third place. They got them, they got themselves a medal spot. Um, sorry, if they get one more win, um, they're, they're in a good position now for that. And uh, really, it was a good game of football. Actually, the XGs in this game were quite low. There was a couple of good goals and um, you know, full crowd at the Lurkendal Stadion. And I, look, all year I've been quite high on Rosenborg. I actually predicted them to finish second. They still might finish second. Um, I don't know long term whether the, the garden is rosy or not. Um, there's, uh, there's still things they need to fix. But this was a—it feels like a big win for them mentally, definitely. But I, they definitely were facing a, a Buda glimpse side who were wounded after just playing Zurich in in, in Europe, and uh, you know it's not all—it wasn't all brilliant. Didn't out outplay them or anything. It was just a close game. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And um, I think the other sort of big talking point really was probably the, uh, as you've mentioned, the fact that they could finish above above Glimp. Yeah, um, good. In, in that second place. I mean, I haven't looked at the coefficient, but uh, 54 points for Glimp with two games to play, 53 points for Rosenborg, so that it's really tight there. And uh, Lillestrom still with a chance there on 50 points, just falling out of the top three. But, you know, it's not over yet until the weekend goes. Let's just wrap up with a look at uh, the bottom of the table because some great news for our friend of the podcast, Tom Lent at Hamcam. Yes, Hamcam beats Sanderfjord two goals to one to secure their survival officially for another season. They are now eight points clear of the bottom three with two games to go. So I would like to offer my personal congratulations to the club and to all of the coaching staff at Hamcam, including Tom Dent, who, uh, you know, they're 13 draws out of 28. And uh, I often criticise teams that draw, don't I, on, on not just this, this podcast, but anywhere uh, that I'm tipping teams and stuff. Draws don't usually yield success, but in this instance, they have. They've they've done enough to to survive this season. They've had a, a game plan all season to make themselves quite hard to beat, and and it's got them over the line. Fundamentally, that quite a strong defence. Only thirty eight goals conceded for Hamcam. It's one of the best defences in the league. Actually, um, has been the cornerstone to their success. They they don't take enough chances, but it's something they can build on now. I know their objective was just to stay in the league, so mission accomplished in that respect. It was a, a close sort of game against Sanderfield. Sanderfield definitely had chances in the match, but the pressure's on them right now. They, they didn't take the opportunities. And I think Hamcam would do uh, sort of a 50-50 game to go in their favour at the, the crucial times of the match. They they did take their chances for once. And uh, a big moment for them, big celebrations, um, you know, big relief for them um, to, to secure that, um, that place in the Elite Serum for another season. And I think it's deserved. They, I think it would have been harsh if they finished in the bottom three myself. Yeah, massive congratulations to to Hamcam, uh, Steve's favourite team, obviously being nicknamed Meat Man. Any team with ham in it or pork, I don't think there's any football teams called porkers there, but if there's any pork-related teams, um, you'd be all over it. But Or beef, I'm trying to think, is there any beef teams? There's got to be somewhere in South America, probably, or or Asia, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. 
That's probably tweet us if you know any <laughs> meat related football clubs. <laughs> I'm trying to think now, I've done my head. Uh, foods, no uh, chicken. Well, ta- in uh, Tamworth Football Club, are nicknamed the lambs, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> not, there, I think there is a chicken team, isn't there? Somewhere, uh, I think. Yeah, I, I've heard of it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> don't know, Jonathan. It's, anyway, um, more yeah. importantly, um. Steve, what is actually the name of the Hamcam manager? Because we talk so much about Tom Dent, but there's a, there's actually a manager in charge of there. That we the name made. of, yeah, uh, Jakob Mickelson, who has quite a decent resume um, down the years. Um, I, I say, I think he was quite a good hire, really, for Hamcam. Um, he was a manager of good reputation. And um, it, I think they've, uh, they they have been well well coached. I think you can tell they've had a good organisational setup this season. Hard to beat. Um I've not been involved personally very often with them in terms of betting because they're not the sort of team that I like to get involved in. They've had the most under two and a half goal games in the league. So I, I prefer getting involved with teams that have got terrible defences and got and score loads of goals. They're the complete opposite of that. Um, so I leave them alone most of the time. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of uh, tactical setup, they're quite different compared to most of this league. It's been a high-scoring league, like I said. There's been some shocking defences on show in 2022 in the Elite area, but Hamcam have been uh, different in that respect. And to be honest, if they'd taken more of the chances at times, they probably would be looking more about sort of eighth and ninth place now. Um, you know, I don't know. There's still two games left. They might get a couple of wins and, and, and end up a bit higher. But uh, a big win for them. Bad, terrible loss for Sanderfield, though, who are under massive pressure now. Christiansen won 4-0. And Yerv, incredibly, is still in the race to survive with two games left. So... I really am starting to worry massively for Sanderfjord. And I'm starting to think that the incredible great escape, it would be one of the greatest ever escapes I've ever seen in my life. Christiansen, it's on for them. It's on. It's on indeed. Two games to go, four points separate Sanderfjord, Christiansen and Jörv. All to play for. Um, Games coming up, Sanderfjord, final two games are against... Uh, just read it out quickly. Their last two games are against Mulder away. Good luck with that. And uh, Halgerson at home. <coughs> so they could potentially fall out of that one. Excuse me. Uh, Christian Sunder got Sartsburg away. Yerv at home. And Yerv, obviously, they have got that game, in, which will be a massive one, I think you, you could imagine. Yeah. Uh, but they've got Rosenborg at home first before they go to Christiansen. So we shall see. We'll be back with another episode to talk all about that later. They've got to win that game. They've got to beat Rosenborg, which I think we will get relegated this week. And the playoff, we've actually had a result in the playoff in the second tier already. Sandnes, unfortunately, been knocked out by Kong's Vinya. I was actually hoping Sandnes would win the playoffs. Um, they're an interesting club in the southwest of, of, uh, of Norway, near uh, Stavania. And a big rivalry with Viking. Um, nice new stadium. So I'm a little bit disappointed the Sanders are knocked out already. Kong's Vinya now will play against Kay from Oslo, and the winner of that faces Start, and the winner of that will have the two-legged playoff against the thirty, the, the club in third bottom of Elite Serien. So I've got to be honest. I hope Start don't come up. You know, I've said on this podcast before. I don't really like that club much. They're they're very much yo-yo, quite boring club. It'd be nice to see uh, a different team come up again. So Kay from Oslo or Kong's Vinya. I'm definitely hoping that they get into the. To be fair, if Christiansen do make the playoff, I think it'd be fant- actually quite good to see them stay up. It would be a miraculous escape. But um, yeah, yeah, I think you said that about Yerv last year, didn't you? you? Said you didn't want them up. So I mean, you're, you're, 
Well, I don't want to start. Start. We've seen. We've seen start before, haven't we? And I've, 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 I've criticised that club before. It just look. I'm, I'm, I, I do not sit on the fence. They're not a club. I just, I like that much. <laughs> it's, it's awful to say that. Yeah. But I want to see someone different this year. And uh, to be fair, Kong's Vinny or Kay from Oslo would be. Uh... Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll leave it there. I think we're running out of time. Mm. So. Thanks so much for listening to the Nordic Football Podcast. I really appreciate your support. We will have a Patreon episode this week, so keep it tuned, patreon.com slash Podcast to wrap up. How can we do? Can we end the season on a high uh, in that? Two more rounds to go. But uh, that'll be it for now, I think. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at JFFutbol, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. Where can we find you, Steve? At Meatman Soccer. No doubt bemoaning one team or other i'll be bemoaning someone I'll be, i will be bemoaning someone and i've been quite uh vitriolic recently as well so yeah, i've definitely uh, noticed uh, been some very strong i don't know if it's because elon musk took twitter over but you've definitely ramped up the anger um but yeah so go there for all the hot takes we'll be back uh, next week hopefully or in weeks to come but yes. thank you so much for listening again congratulations to beck and, and go to our youtube channel youtube Nordic Football Podcast, you will find the Sonny Carlson interview from five years ago where he lays out the blueprint for how Beko Hacken will become champions and that is exactly what they've done this past week. So take care everyone. Great to hear from you as always. Great to, great to have you listening as always um, and see you soon.